Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Last week, we took on the verses that came just before the ones that are before us today. Jesus had given his people a little bit of a dissertation on how they ought to approach somebody who, who is caught in a sin. And Jesus explains to them that, that they need to go and point out that sin, and hopefully at some point they are able to use those, those keys that he had given to the church to either bind or to loose. Hopefully at some point they would be able to loose their sins and tell that person that was caught in their sin, you are forgiven by me, and more importantly, you are forgiven by the Father in heaven. And so as Jesus finishes up giving that dissertation, we see Peter's got a little bit of a question, doesn't he? Yes, Lord, you're calling us to forgive, but really how many times? How long do we really need to be patient? How long do we need to put up with it? Is there an end to this process where after a few times of somebody, of somebody coming to you for forgiveness, you go, you know what? This conversation has to be a little different. I'm not going to forgive you until you fill in the blank. It's why Peter asked the question. He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he even says up to seven times. Peter puts a nice little number on it, and we might look at that number, especially in light of what Jesus is about to say, and we might say, Peter, shame on you. Seven times? Seriously? That's nothing. But I want you to think of this situation. You are at work, and you catch your coworker speaking some kind of nonsense about you behind your back, and maybe the first time you hear about it, you would confront that coworker and they'd say, I am so sorry, please forgive me, that, that was just out of turn, that was out of line, I shouldn't have done it. You'd be able to move on from that pretty quickly, pretty easily. The second time they do it, 
and, and you confront them and they ask for forgiveness. Maybe you would still be able to pretty, pretty quickly and easily move on. The third time? The fifth time? No, maybe all of a sudden it does make sense that Peter is saying, is seven a good number? Because I can't even imagine dealing with the same sin of somebody in my life over and over and over again to the point where they have done the same thing to me seven times. I'm still supposed to smile and say, I forgive you. But Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times, but 77 times the conversation is going to look the same over and over and over. I'm sorry, I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. Jesus is ready to stand there and say 77 times, which essentially is Jesus saying as many times as it takes, you stand there. I'm sorry, I forgive you. And to reinforce that point, he, he tells us this parable, and he says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a ruler or a lord trying to collect his debts. Essentially, what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God, the way that God deals with people, is just like this. And God, or this lord, comes before the, these servants that he has, and he pulls one of them aside, and he says, look, you owe me 10,000 bags of gold. There's a little bit of research that has been done into this as to how much, how much that actually was. We are talking roughly 60 million days of work. If you would work for roughly 150,000 to 200,000 years, then, then this debt could be repaid. Jesus is reinforcing the ridiculousness of this debt. The extravagance of it. You get to the point where you hear, you hear this debt is so great that you almost think there has to have been not just negligence pursued by this, this servant, but, but it almost had to be vindictive. He, he must have just kept taking from this, this lord, this master, with no intent to repay. No, this isn't just an oopsie-daisy. This is massive. And this is insurmountable. And so when he's confronted on it, uh, the man falls at the feet of the master and says, be patient with me. I will pay back everything. First of all, nope. That's not going to happen. There was no chance that that man was ever going to be able to pay back everything that he owed that, that man. 60 million days, 200,000 years of service. There was no way that they could, have, they could have sold everything that they owed. He could have sold himself and, and all of his family off, and there's no way that they would have been able to recuperate the debt. It was an insurmountable debt. There was no way it was going to be overcome. And this is the debt that the Lord looks at, smiles, it says his heart had compassion on him. He had pity on the man. And he just kind of put up his hand and said, eh, don't worry about it. Could you imagine the relief? Like if, if you've had student loans or credit card debt and you finally paid them off after a time, you probably are like, this is the greatest feeling on planet Earth. That monkey is off the back. I am good. I don't ever have to worry about this problem again. This is so much more than that because there was no way this person even saw light at the end of the tunnel. 
There was no way this person was ever going to get out from underneath his debt. And so when the, the, the Lord comes to him and says, you know what, don't you worry about it for another second. It is gone in my books. Therefore, it should be gone in your books. That had to have felt pretty spectacular. But what does the man do? He leaves. And he finds somebody that owes him a hundred silver coins. And to put that into perspective, that was about four to six months worth of work. And so he finds this person that owes him that much money. And, and the reality is, is that this person actually could pay that off if they, if they tried really, really hard. That was a possibility. But what does it say that the man did? He comes up, he chokes him, and he says, pay back what you owe me. And even though the guy says, I will pay you back, I promise, I promise, I promise, this first wicked servant says, I'm not going to have any of that, and he sends him off to jail until he's able to repay him. Brothers and sisters, the, the comparison is, is pretty straightforward. We are that, that first person who, who comes before our Lord, the Lord God of heaven, with all of our sins in front of him, going, Lord, I got nothing to say to you about this. I could promise to repay you, but that's not going to happen. And it's our Lord Jesus who, who looks at that massive, insurmountable debt and, and takes it off of our plate and puts it, puts it on his and says, go, you're forgiven, you're free. Don't you worry about it for another second. And what Jesus is really worry, warning us about is that attitude that, that then takes that, that mercy and that forgiveness and goes to our brother or sister in Christ and shows nothing of the sort to them. If I had to guess, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but if I had to guess, I would say 95% of, of the wrongs and the sins against us are pretty easily forgiven. You leave a big grease stain underneath the grill on your back patio, your wife eventually forgives you, or quickly forgives you. You're driving through the streets of Aiken and you cut somebody off and they lean on the horn and you give them a, I, I'm sorry, wave. You usually can go your separate ways pretty easily without giving another thought that day. The, the forgiveness is, is pretty much instant. 95% of things we're able to usually brush off the shoulder and say, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But then there's that 5%. The things that brothers and sisters in our lives do to us and we might want to say, I forgive you. But for some reason, we just can't. And instead of releasing that debt and saying, you know what? Let's not let this come between us. I've been forgiven in Christ. I should forgive you. Instead of doing that, we, we, we take them and we, we kind of hold them right, right here at our heart, kind of sometimes waiting until the opportunity arises when, when we're going to use it again. And we keep pointing out their wrong against them over and over and over again, even though they've already apologized for it. And it's usually for one of two reasons that, that sins are very difficult to forgive. One, it is oftentimes because they are so grievous. They've hurt so badly. They've impacted our lives so drastically that we, we look at the sin committed against us and we go, I, I cannot see a way that I could let this go. Or on the other hand, there are those sins that maybe they are not huge sins, but they are frequent. 
And they seem to happen over and over and over again. And they blow past seven and 77 times that you have to forgive the person. And you start getting into the hundreds and the thousands. And you go, you know what? I'm running out of patience. I don't have the ability to continue to forgive you that way. And it's at those moments that sometimes we, we take that joy of forgiveness that we receive from Jesus and we kind of hog it. And it's ours. And so Jesus gives us the warning as he, as he finishes off the parable. Uh, the master finds out about what this wicked servant had, had done and he says, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? He was astounded that this man had avoided jail and debt and, and, and an eternity of trying to pay off a debt that he was never going to be able to pay off. He was astounded that he had taken the joy that he had received there jammed it in his heart and distributed none of it. That he had seen this model for forgiveness and left it in the dust. And then Jesus gives us the reason he's telling us the story. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Brothers and sisters, the message of this parable is pretty straightforward. It's not like Jesus is, is giving us a puzzle that it's, it's really difficult to, to piece together. We understand what the call is here. That's usually not the issue. The issue is putting it into action. I know that I am supposed to forgive my spouse, my friends, my, my, my family here at peace. I know I'm supposed to forgive the people in my life. And, and I love to do it when it's easy. But then there's that 5%. And I can read this over and over and over again, and yet it still is difficult for me to put it into practice. This is why Jesus tells this parable, so that we don't get caught up harboring those sins against people. But it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. I know that I look out and I see faces of people that, that have been hurt by some pretty grievous sins that have been, been, been hammered by, by people in their life that they trusted and loved and then were betrayed by them. But notice this. Jesus does not anticipate the law to be the motivation for why they would go out and forgive. It wasn't like he said that, that the Lord, when he had forgiven the wicked servant the first time, had said, now you better get out there and start forgiving some other people. No, he, he assumed it was going to be natural. Because that's what our forgiveness does. It naturally causes us to want to forgive the people that are around us. It causes us to want to show that love and that compassion that was, that was lavished on us. Brothers and sisters, the debt was insurmountable. As we came before the Lord Jesus, we had all of our sins before him and he scooped every single one of them up and he put them on himself so that you would not have to carry around that burden. He gave you a better relief than even 60 million days of work being forgiven. He gave you the relief that comes from a soul that is right with the Heavenly Father. As Jesus lifts all of your sins off of you and places them on him, he says the relationship that you have with your Father in heaven is restored. It is perfect. You can now go to him, and in his word, he comes to you. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, the debt that we had before the Lord was massive. 
And the Lord said, I have no interest in you carrying that debt around in your life. And I certainly don't have any interest in you carrying that debt into eternity. And so he, as our loving father, put his hand up and for the sake of Jesus said, you know what? It's done. It's gone. I'm not worried about it anymore. And you shouldn't be either. That's the way that our Lord lifts the debt off of us. And that is the model, the example that we have for the forgiveness that we offer to others. Is that massive amount of forgiveness that we have been shown. So that we don't come before the people in our lives and hold sins over their head. Instead, we treat them the way that God treated us because God did not forgive us so that he could come back later and remind us of our sin. God did not say, I forgive you, so that he said, and now you have to listen to me in everything, and I, I own you with my, my thumb on your head. God did not forgive us half-heartedly. God did not forgive us and not really mean it. Our Lord forgave us to set us free from sin. And in that freedom from sin, he gives us the freedom to say, you know what? All of the pride that you have in your life can be tossed aside. And when somebody comes before you and says, please forgive me, you are able to use the words of sin and grace and say, I don't hold that sin against you because your Lord Jesus doesn't hold that sin against you. So if today you find yourself struggling, and as I look out, I could I can imagine that all of us have somebody that, that popped into our mind when, I, when we started to read Matthew chapter 18 here. We, we all had somebody that sprung to, to our heads that is very, very difficult to forgive. If you are struggling with that, dear brother or sister, I hear you. There are, there are sins that occur in our lives that, that, that I almost don't even want to speak about from, from the pulpit here. That dash families to pieces. That, that drive their way between friends, that, that destroy relationships, that destroy lives. It is a difficult thing to forgive those sins on your own. But don't go looking for motivation in that last verse from Jesus. Go looking for that motivation in the 60 million days of debt being forgiven. Look for motivation to forgive others in the forgiveness that you've already received. Because that's the only way it's ever going to work. That's the only way you're ever going to be so inclined to, to look at your brother or sister and say, you know what? Based on everything the world says, I should hate you. But based on what my Lord Jesus says, I love you. And he loves you too. We all love a good second chance story, right? But it is very rare that our world loves a third, a fourth, a seventh, a 77th chance story. You just don't often get those. But that's who our God is. Our God is the one that it only took one chance for him and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins so that even though it might seem like you are running out of chances, you're not. That you can come before God every day of your life knowing that that, he does, that, that our Lord Jesus doesn't ask the Father, how many times do I have to forgive these people? He asked the Father, how many times do I get to forgive these people? May that serve as our motivation to show love 
and compassion to be that church that is quick to forgive. Amen.